came out of the Christmas season. That was just a couple weeks ago, right? And um, I understand that many people will exchange gifts at Christmas at that time of year. And I just want to ask, how many of you remember a time, even as a child, if it's not, if it wasn't this year, but as a child even, where you did not, like you asked for something, maybe made a list, and you did not get something that you were really hoping to get? Would you raise your hand if you ever remember asking for something that you, nobody's going nobody's gonna to shun you or say, you, you are so materialistic. This is, not a, this is not a setup question. You just remember a time where you asked for something, you didn't get it. All right? Over half of you, I think. Well, my parents were amazing parents, okay? Um, they, were, they were amazing. And uh, my sister, she was pretty cool, too. And <laughs> if I ever give her this microphone, man, I'm going to get it. <laughs> they were never rich. My parents were never rich. Um, but I don't actually remember ever a day in my life needing anything. And that's a huge blessing because I know not everybody can say that. So they were never rich, but, but I don't remember ever needing anything. I was very, very blessed. But I do remember one time. I do remember one time. I really wanted something. And... I put it on my list, and actually, I don't even think I put it on my list. We went to, we lived in Cudahy, Wisconsin, and we went to the Kmart in Cudahy, Wisconsin, Blue Light Special. They're like, what? <laughs> Cudahy, Wisconsin, Blue Light Special. I, we walked into Kmart, and they had these bear claw slippers. And I was a little boy. I mean, I was probably 18. Or No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> they had these bear claw slippers. And I remember I looked at these. They didn't look just like this, but I ordered some online. <laughs> they had these bear claw slippers. I still think they're cool. <laughs> it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. You guys zooming in on this because it's beautiful. <laughs> so, these awesome bear claw slippers. Stand up here for those of you that can't see how cool they are. And I remember I, I wanted them. And uh, my dad was pretty strict, so we didn't throw a lot of fits. But I did that night in Kmart. And so my dad said, son, please stop. I'll get you the bear claw slippers. Yeah, right. <laughs> he, he, I don't even remember, but I remember we got out of the store quick, and I did not get the bear claw slippers. And so I thought... 
well, I wanted them for Christmas, so whatever. He's going to make me wait. I get them for Christmas. It was like two weeks away or something. Christmas came, and I did not get my bear claw slippers. I was like, are you serious? I mean, they weren't that expensive. You know, I, I, but my dad, I think, was going to prove a point. Now, my mom, she was a little softer. She probably would have bought them for me. But my dad, he was like, no, I did not get bear claw slippers. Now, down the road, a couple years later, I went ahead and got bear claw slippers. I might have had to buy them myself. I don't remember. But that was like one time in my life that I genuinely remember being unbelievably disappointed at Christmas time because I, there was not a chance in my brain that I was not getting bear claw slippers. Like, I knew I was getting bear claw slippers. Now I'm at a point where I can buy my own bear claw slippers. <laughs> and so, yes, a grown man, lead pastor of a church is going to preach a message in bear claw slippers because then you'll help, it'll, you'll remember it. And I'll tell you what, if you listen really well and sit up straight, I might give you, if you're about a size 10, I'll give you these when I'm done. <laughs> Today I want to speak on this topic, dealing with disappointment. Dealing with disappointment. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you so much. You're incredible. Just there's no words in our known languages that can describe how awesome you are. There's nothing. But God, just inhabit our praise. Lord, receive it from us like you've been doing today. And God, now we're going to study your word, and there's going to be principles, Jesus, that we are going to talk about some real-life issues here in the next few minutes. And God, help us. Help me, Lord, to get out of the way, allow you to speak through me, but help every heart and mind to be receptive to what we're going to look at so that we can be exactly what you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I did not do very well dealing with disappointment. I asked my mom if she remembered this, and she kind of was like, well, I think, yeah. It, was, uh, it, it didn't stick out as much to her as it did to me. Uh, she didn't want these bear claw slippers like I did. Um, but my question to you is, I didn't handle disappointment well, but when does that all change? When do we start handling disappointment well? How, how do we get better at dealing with disappointment? Does it come with age? Experience? Spiritual growth? Do we ever become experts at dealing with disappointment? I'm relatively certain that none of us here today, as grown men and women, would throw a fit in a store about not getting slippers. I certainly hope not. <laughs> but we might not, we might not throw a fit over slippers in Kmart, especially because they're not even around really, but but we might throw fits in other ways. Might give the spouse the cold shoulder when they say something hurtful. Stop coming to church because someone there made you mad. Backslide, walk away from God because he didn't give you the gift you thought you deserved. We still throw fits. It just looks different now. I dealt with disappointment last week, last Sunday. I've been excited to preach a message for a year about the history of this church and where God is taking us. And I couldn't move it because it fell on the exact date 50 years later. And I showed up and there was ice and holidays and sickness. And I preached to a much smaller crowd than I wanted to preach to. I was disappointed. But you better just go back and listen online. It was a good message. 
We just came out of Christmas. I know some of you are disappointed it's gone. Others of you are disappointed it even came. I understand Christmas is not an exciting celebration for everybody. It can be another date that constantly exposes you to more disappointment. But disappointment truly is part of life. Because each of us have expectations or desires. And no human being, not a person, not any of you watching online, no one here today, no human being, not a person, will ever have every single expectation or desire met. And we shouldn't. <laughs> Just look at any little children who don't have strong parents. You'll see what happens to our behavior when we're never taught how to deal with disappointment. We are now rolling into a new year, a year filled with vision and goals. And there, there's so many things in store for 2022. But can I go in and, I, and just say something to you today that I will guarantee you something that is in store for 2022. Ready? Disappointment. Promise you, give you my word. I'm not even working in the gifts right now. It's just common sense. Now, I know the fact that I just said in the pulpit, really? This is the first big service of 2022? And he's going to open with, we're going to be disappointed this year. You got nothing better than that. I'm sorry to disappoint you by talking about disappointment. But if you'll just endure, you might get the bear class lovers. They might be a tad sweaty, but they'll air out, I promise. In 2022, you will be disappointed. If you're willing to accept that, to acknowledge that at some point in the next 12 months, you will be disappointed. I want to spend the rest of our time today looking at some biblical principles that will help you navigate that disappointment. Because I think we all look at it through the wrong lens on a regular basis. We must come to the place where we recognize trials as opportunities. That mindset does not come naturally. Nobody here is like, yeah, I've, I've been saying that for a while. It makes perfect sense. Trials present us with an option to draw closer to God and tap into his presence and his strength. On our own, we are insufficient and incapable of understanding and withstanding how much life throws at us. But when we turn to Jesus, we can rely on his power and his strength. Because remember this, we do not grow, we do not mature or become empowered when things are going well. God, I pray, Lord. Jesus, make me strong in you. God, I pray that there would be strength in my life. Okay. You know what brings strength? Resistance. When people work out, natural body strength. How many know what a squat is? Okay. You, you're literally, you throw your rear back, you keep your back straight. And you bend straight down. It's a squat. My pants, who said my pants are going to rip? I ain't that big. Man, who 
youth group up here. That's why you pull them up like this, give yourself a little extra room. See? That doesn't look like much. But if you stood up right now and did 20 squats, you'd start to go, mm. Or weight training. You throw weights on a bar. Mine's like somewhere three, two, one, something. I don't know, it's 100 pounds. And you're, and you're going like this. And it's resisting your movement and causing strength. The bench, I mean, it makes things look nice, but it's a total waste, worthless exercise in many cases. But it, you know. Or, or cardio or kickboxing where you're kicking or hitting something. What happens is you're hitting and facing resistance that's building strength in natural muscles of the body. But it's, it might be weight resistance, it might be natural weight body resistance, but we're building strength through resistance. And so because of this, we must not only accept but also embrace that our trials are not our enemies. You see, Jesus tried to convey this message to his disciples, this concept of suffering to achieve a greater purpose. In Luke 9, and they were all amazed at the mighty power of God, but while they wondered everyone at all things what Jesus did, he said to his disciples, let these sayings sink down into your ears. Sometimes I want to open a message with that, but it sounds kind of rude. All right, church, go to the book of Matthew. Let these sayings sink down into your ears. He says, for the Son of Man will be delivered in the hands of men. He says, but they understood not his saying, and it was hid from them, and they perceived it not. They feared to ask him of that saying. What did that just tell us? It seems like the disciples were just getting a tiny glimpse of great glory and a great suffering. And they knew that some was about to happen. There was going to be a sacrifice. Jesus started touching on it. But they didn't really want to know what was going to happen. They didn't even ask him what it meant. Because they didn't really want to know. For them, they preferred, they preferred to avoid the topic of suffering. Yeah, that's interesting. Hey, let's talk about blessings. Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? I'd rather talk about that. Kind of like you would rather have me preach a message about the power that you have in 2022. If I would have put, join us this Sunday for a special topic of suffering in life. Some of you would have been like, you know, I'm going to catch you next Sunday. They, to, to them, it was more fun to talk about rewards and kingdom and power than it would be about suffering. Does that sound familiar? Who wants to hear a message on suffering or disappointment? But when we do this and we avoid this topic, guess what? The body of Christ is not prepared to deal with the suffering and the disappointment when it comes. So Jesus, he tries to talk to them openly, get them in the right frame of mind. And hey, guys, remember, this is going to happen. Here's how you deal with it. For many of you, you're not, you're not suffering. You're not even dealing with disappointment. So you're like, yeah, whatever. Okay, good, got it, got this message. But my prayer is I cover this not only for the people who are suffering or dealing with disappointment, but when you do, because you're going to this year, that your mindset is right to handle it when you get there. 
And so Paul dealt with quite a bit with suffering, so much, in fact, he spoke openly about it. 2 Corinthians 11, it says, are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I've worked harder, been put in prison more often. I've been whipped times without number, faced death again and again. Five different times, Jewish leaders gave me 30, 39 lashes. Three times I was beat with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked, and you said I had a bad weekend. Once I spent a whole night, and it was a Judea drift at sea, I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as the Gentiles. I faced danger in the cities, the deserts, the seas. I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers, but they're not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry, thirsty, often gone without food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I got the daily burden and concern of the churches. Wow. Paul could never have endured all this without selfless consecration to the mission of spreading the word of God throughout Asia. He knew that his trials grew him. That's why he was telling the church about them. He wasn't trying to glory in his suffering. I'm not trying to glory in my sadness and my separation. But it's a story, right? It, he, he says, I want you to know what I've gone through. He wanted the church to know suffering was part of life. And it's also part of life in the church. He was not excited about pain. Paul was definitely not going, guys, it was amazing. I was whipped, and then and it was he beat me with a rod, and they, oh, it was incredible. He's like, no, here, let me tell you about what's going on in my life. But he also didn't run from it. He just knew that when pain came, God, the comforter, the healer would always be with him. That's why I can safely say our personal response at times of disappointment and suffering. You ready? Our personal response at times of disappointment and suffering are a direct reflection of two things. Our faith and the depth of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus promises his peace so that we may endure trials and tribulations that we face in this earth. John 16, it says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will. There it is. Have many trials and sorrows. But take heart. I've overcome the world. This world is not where it's at. Serving God is not the absence of disappointment. It's finding peace in the middle of disappointment. Could it be true that in order to go up, we must first go down? In some ways, yes. In order to go higher in God, we must first endure the lows of life. It's in those lows that God leads us into deeper relationship that is built with him. That's why the 23rd Psalm, we read this at funerals and stuff, but take a look at the wording that David pens in the 23rd Psalm. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup runneth over, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a picture of a journey with Christ. Walking with God includes things like green pastures, still waters, and paths of righteousness. Amen. Preach that. Hallelujah. But guess what our journey with God also includes? Disappointments. The valley of the shadow of death. Enemies surrounding us. Being disappointed and discouraged. Write the other part down. But notice one constant through the whole 23rd Psalm. God is always there and he never leaves. Green pastures, he's there. Enemies surrounding, he's there. Valley of the shadow of death, he's there. Still waters and green pastures, yeah, he's, he's there too. You see, no one wants the preacher to talk about disappointment or suffering. But the topic is found throughout the Bible, and I'm so thankful it is, because in these passages, I read how great men and women of God became great by learning how to rely on God through disappointment. The Bible provides these accounts to show us how to deal with disappointments, because God is always with us. Stop looking at a trial or a disappointment as God-sent punishment. Too often, even believers do this. I don't know why God would do this. I do this, and he lets this happen. You ever said that before? Ever talked to someone who has said, Why would God let this happen? I did this, and I did this, and I did this, and God let this, and I don't know why he's punishing me. David wrote about how God was with him in the presence of his enemies while he walked in the shadow of death. He says, but, but, but Paul, he takes, took time to tell the Roman church all the things that, he could, that could not separate us from God. Do you know that? He told the Roman church, he says, hey, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We're accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I'm persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, things to come, height depth, any creature, nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ our Lord. There is not one trial that we can face that could ever separate us from God's love. But there is one notable exclusion from that list. You. All the other stuff, there's nothing. But you can separate yourself from God. And he could have made it different. He gave us free choice, free will. If you get angry, offended, bitter, or buy into the belief it's just not fair, you can separate yourself from God. Nothing else, nothing else in the world can. But you. 
check out Apostle John. He gets exiled to the island of Patmos in Revelation 1.10. He says, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice of a trumpet. And he starts writing the letters to the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And if somebody wanted to get discouraged, I think it might be John. I mean, John was 80 years old. Vanished to a puny colony on Patmos. Never supposed to return to normal civilization. His only companions were thieves, killers, and the worst convicts of society. And he starts off going, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day. What? He refused not to live in the spirit. Was his situation painful? Oh, yeah. Was it lonely? Absolutely. Was it tough? You bet. But when Jesus came to John, John had sustained himself by being in the spirit. David said, I encouraged myself in the Lord. Wait, so does that mean that times when you're down, it's not up to the church to encourage you, the message to encourage you, the song to encourage you, the people of the church to encourage you, that there's times where you need to encourage yourself in the Lord. You see, John sustained himself after John wrote the book of Revelation. An amazing thing happened. The ruler who put John in that horrible place on Patmos, he died. And the one who assumed control brought John back from Patmos. And John lived the rest of his life in Ephesus, teaching and ministering. He was the only apostle who did not experience a martyr's death. So wherever you, wherever, whenever you find yourself in difficulties, pressure, or disappointments, please know God is inviting you into something deeper. Ah, even now, you almost feel this pull inside of yourself where you're going, I want something deeper, but I don't want disappointment. And you almost feel this internal pull where you're like, so should I go to the altar and God please give me disappointment? Like, I don't really want to pray that. But yet, I don't want to be afraid of it either if God is going to develop something in me. You see, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is trust the Lord in all thy heart, with all thine heart. Yeah, I think Titus answered that up there. And lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. What, what does this mean? How do we do this? We do this when we put our complete and total trust and control in the hands of God, no matter your circumstance, because we are creatures of logic. But as much as I hate this, logic doesn't really work in the kingdom. Now, we should have common sense, and we should be logical and preparing things at church and everything, but when we try to figure God out, God, you're not going to say, God, be logical here. What? He supersedes the logic of what we're capable of. So logic says, well, that's not possible. That's not feasible. But we read over and over how God defies logic. 
And so that's why to us, James' statement is not logical. In James 1, 2, it says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. I mean, who does that? Yes, Jackie, I just woke up and we got more problems in the house. This is such an opportunity to be joyful. I mean, that defies human logic. Anybody here right now having an issue with your car, a car problem at all, anywhere? Okay. Got a couple. Got about six of you. What an opportunity. You can leave and go, whoa, I am so full of joy about my car problems. That's, that's not really logical. Like, people are going to be like, dude, you all right? It says, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. Let it grow. <laughs> for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Wow. When we're going through things, we can get angry and frustrated. I know I can had an opportunity a couple times with a leak at my house recently. Or we can choose to see the hand of God knowing he's molding us, he's shaping us. Jeremiah 18 says, the Lord gave another message to Jeremiah. He said, go down to the potter's shop and I will speak to you there. So I did as he told me to do. And there was a potter working on the wheel, but the jar he was making didn't turn out as he had hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay and started over again. How many of you know right now, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, whatever you're going through, you, you, that God showed Jeremiah that to live on in Scripture forever as a message to Israel, but also to his people, that if you could just imagine Jesus Christ working a potter's wheel right now, he is molding you and shaping you, and there's rough edges, and sometimes we don't get, we don't get the lesson, and so he might just kind of Mush it down and start over again. <laughs> and, and he's just working on things and he's molding, he's shaping you to reflect what he wants you to look like. But there's a process in that and it takes some time and, and, and it takes patience, not only by the potter, but by us who sometimes we just want to get off the wheel really fast. I just want to be a finished product today. Let's get this thing, get the show on the roll, on the road. But you see, God's doing something, but in doing that, he's not making you what he wants you to be. Just saying, I want to bless him again. Let me bless him again. I'm going to give him more. I'm going to give him more. I want to bless him more. I just want to give him more. I just want to keep blessing him. Sounds fun. But just like my kids every once in a while need to hear the word no, as a dad, I know I can't tell you yes all the time because I know what that looks like down the road. So there's, there's disappointments, there's discouragement, there's things that we go through where God isn't saying no just because he's, oh, he's up there and he's like, you know what, I'm just going to be a jerk today. No, because he knows the beginning from the ending. He's the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, and he knows what he's trying to be, for you to become. And what is going to happen between 
here and what the finished product is, is there's a journey. And along that journey, it's going to be filled with disappointments. Things more disappointing than not getting bear claw slippers. And real life stuff where you prayed and God didn't seem to answer the way you wanted him to. Or something happened and the doctor told you something. Somebody walked out on you. Somebody did something. You know, if you're here trying to process how this works, trying to make sense of it, honestly, all I got for you is it, it doesn't always make sense. God says, trust me. Trust me, I will. There's going to be some. You're going to sit down in the presence of some enemies. How are you going to let enemies come in? Sometimes enemies are in the church. What? They should have never done that. They know better. I can't believe this. Just trust me. You're going to sit in some presence of enemies. I'm going to be with you. We're going to lie down in some green pastures. There's going to be some beautiful times in your life. And I'm going to be right there with you. We're going to sit beside some still waters. And then we're going to travel through the valley of the shadow of death. And you're going to lose some people that you love and care about. And there's going to be some things that you, it's going to be devastating. It's going to be disappointing. But I'll be with you. walking away. I'm not leaving. You just got to trust me. Because if you'll let me, I'm going to develop a beautiful finished product. But if you fight me every step of the way, and you want to give up every time a disappointment comes, the strength will not gain. You won't gain strength from the resistance. You will despise the resistance. The resistance is what I'm using to bring the strength. In all this, I do still have great news, and that is God never, I'm closing, he never leaves you to face it alone. Never. Second Corinthians 1, he says, all praise to God, Paul writes, he says, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is our merciful Father. And the source of all comfort. You ever just go through something where you just need comfort? I'm not looking for a song. Not even looking for a message. Maybe you're just looking for comfort. Okay, Paul says, the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all our troubles. So we can comfort others. Oh, wow. The whole Bible's filled with discipleship. God doesn't do what he does for you just for you. He does what you, he does for you so you can be healthy enough to do that for someone else. That's his plan. When they are troubled, we will be able to give them the same comfort God's given us. For the more we suffer for Christ the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. What? What? 
God, I want to be used by you. Sure. God, I want to be strong in you. Positive. God, use my life for your glory. Okay. When you pray that prayer, what's, what's, what are you thinking about? Use my life for your glory means give me a mansion and I'll host a small group. That's what it means. Give me a brand new Mercedes and I'll pick people up for church. That's, that's kind of what I meant. Because at the end of the day, I just want my prayer closet just want what I want. And God's going, there's a way bigger picture here than just your life and your pocketbook and your health. There's an entire global kingdom and a plan that I have. I saw, do you understand? God's like, I walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day of the garden. I already know the plan of Revelation. And I was there when you were born. When you cried tears and felt like they let me down and this person broke up with me and this person walked out of me and my parents weren't where they weren't, I, I, was, the, I was there. Don't tell me about what you need to be developed. I am developing you. And you're sitting in these pews or watching online with a story and your story is totally different in some ways than that person, than that person, the person in front of you, the other side of you. And you have a story and things that, you know, you're like, well, that's a huge thing. And somebody else will go, well, that's not a big thing. Look what I went through. And somebody else goes, well, I never went through anything of what you went through. But it doesn't matter to you. That was a battle. That was a mountain. That was a, a challenging moment. That was a disappointment. Silly bear claw slipper. Oh, that's not a big deal. Well, it was at that moment, I guess, as a spoiled child. But everybody has this thing that you go through and that you've been through and that you've walked through and, and there's been disappointments and I wish I could tell you well now you are in the right place we are all serving God disappointments are gone 2022 last year last week I said is the year of jubilee does that mean it's a year of jubilee and all it is is a party this year no 2022 you are going to be thoroughly disappointed at times but that's not absence of God in your life that just might be God answering the prayer that you've been praying for years of going God I just want to be what you want me to be God I just want to be mightily used by you God I just want my life to reflect your image go back to that last verse please God I just want my life to reflect your image oh Keep going. Is it five? Verse five. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with comfort through Christ. The presence of trouble is not the absence of God. Enemies may be surrounding you today. God is with you. You may be walking through the valley of the shadow of death. God is still with you. You may have lost a loved one. Just coming out of the holidays, you're like, man, this stinks. God is your comforter. Church leadership didn't respond the way you think they should. God might, de he might be developing you. He might be developing me. 
You lost your job. God's molding you. Your child is struggling and it's just breaking your heart. God's walking with you. Your health isn't what you want it to be and you wonder what that holds in the future there. God's your comforter. Sometimes he's your healer. Sometimes he's not. Sometimes he's just your comforter. And that's where at the end of the day, God, I won't despise you. I pray that you would make me what you want me to be. And today as we find a place to pray here, we're still going to be praying that prayer, God. I know I'm going to be disappointed. I know I'm going to have expectations that are unmet. But God, I just pray, help me to just walk in your way and to encourage myself and you help me that when you come to walk and to find and talk with me, that you will find me like John walking in the Spirit. Would you stand to your feet today? And would you just begin to come to the front or find a place to pray? Begin to talk to Jesus about this because if you're in the middle of disappointment, what a message for you. But if you're not, it's still good to find a place and go, God, I know. I know I'm going to deal with this at some point. God, help me. Help me not the first thing to always go, why, God, you did this and I didn't know. Say, God, you're the potter. I'm the clay. Mold me. Shape me exactly into what you want me to be. I know you're with me, God. I know you're with me, Jesus. No matter what, I know you will never, ever leave me. You'll never forsake me. Oh.